You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Broken records. The albums you wouldn't shut up about. Broken records The music our guests can't live without Like Judy, Barbara, Liza, Bette, Betty, Audra, Bernadette We broadcast this podcast with hopes that someday we might get Patty Welcome, welcome, welcome to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. Dun, dun, I am Ben Rimmelauer here in isolation, and I'm so lonely, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and uh, I'm joined here virtually by my similarly isolated. Lovely That's right. host, Daniel Nolan. Hey, y'all. Today's guest is Who Cares? It's just mommy and mommy today. <laughs> Here's the deal, y'all. Straight talk, if you will. <clears throat> Don't worry, I, I did that into talk, my elbow. Straight talk. Um, the feeling is just like, you know, there's a little bit of like a mad dash right now to just get like Carrie Butler and Laura Osnes and Tony Yazbek <laughs> for your podcast. And like, you know, everybody's just like home and bored. Like poor Gavin Creel is just like sitting up there well, suffering the coronavirus alone in that yeah. cabin, just like waiting for somebody to like podcast him, you know? Yeah. Like, he's like Henry David Thoreau of Broadway. <laughs> only hotter. Um, you know, like we could like try to like get in on that game. I mean, like I even thought like, I mean, I don't know. We haven't really talked about this, but obviously we've sung about how much we want Patti LuPone to be a guest. And we've asked her a couple of times and she has said yes a couple of times, although then she's also said no a couple of times and it never worked out. (laughs) No, Ben. (laughs) She always had some bullshit excuse like getting a new hip or whatever. But but I was like, you know, we could probably get her now and get in on that whole like Patti LuPone's basement. Yes, honey. You know, like. But I feel like if we did that, you know, she would just sit there having to be like, well, I'm praying for the healthcare workers yes. and the retail clerks. You know, and like, that's, not the con- that's not the conversation that we want to have with her. You know, we want to talk about how, like, Evita sucked because Terry Clouser wouldn't suck her dick enough, you know? And, like, that's, that's the content that you want us to get from Patty, not just, like, 100. a, like, you know, solemn, like solemn a sound moment. Bite. Yeah. And that's true for Laura Osnes too. Like, I want to hear her tell me why Terry Klausner sucks, you know, or doesn't <laughs> yeah. suck, you know. Right. But, like, I mean, the thing is, like, I think 
what, well, what inspired me to what we're going to be doing. Why don't we let Daniel mm-hmm. tell you about that? Because what inspired me first was Daniel talking about his experience watching Rosie O'Donnell, the new Rosie yes. O'Donnell, you know, the thing, the telethon, the, yes. the magic moment. That's right. So as, as I'm sure many of you did as well, the other night I, I tuned in live for the Rosie O'Donnell show return. And I told Ben, I was just in fucking heaven the whole time because not only were we getting the return of Rosie, albeit from her like weird crafty Michael's superstore bunker. Am but, I just like um, a moron that like, I actually thought there was going to be like a set. <laughs> Like the I old do. Rosie O'Donnell show. And it, listen, I feel like with any other host, it would have there would have been a set. I feel like Rosie was just like, no, my craft room's fine. Um, <laughs> paint all over the floor. Emmy's like holding open doors. Anyway, um, but you know, it was just. I mean, that I, I and I love that as well. Like that was part of the charm. Was kind of like the the rawness of it, you know? Yeah. And. But, I mean, it was just star after star after star. I mean, like Annette Bening doing a call-in. Um, I mean, people you would never even have thought, you know, would, would you know, barely Broadway-adjacent people. Anyway, but I was so into it because it was so fun and entertaining and just so, like, uniquely of this moment. Um, and also, you know everyone in their fucking gay dog was on Twitter talking about it. And so, you know, every time I refreshed uh, my Twitter during, during the stream, it was like, you know, 15 new tweets about the Rosie show and what, you know, people's takes on things and people talking about, you know, Bernadette's face and Bernadette's filter and Bernadette's hair and Bernadette's, what did, you know, what the did they say about, um, what did they say about Bernadette's song? Oh, oh, right. Sorry. Oh. She didn't sing one. <laughs> By the way, like the, the fact that Rosie was like, here's people who like, we had to turn down. I'm like, no, like you do not turn down Bernadette Peters and Annette Bening. Like they turned you down. That was odd. Yeah. Like Jane Krakowski, Andrew Reynolds. Meanwhile, she's like, like, and back to you, Shoshana Bean. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So anyway, but watching that, I was living for every moment. I watched the entire like six and a half hours of it. And I just felt like I felt so connected to everyone just as a community, as, you know, not, not just the Broadway community, but like the quarantine, like isolated community that we're all in right now. Um, it was just a communal experience. You know, it was like, we were all sitting in the Schubert theater, but we were all in our own apartments. You know, it was just like the virtual winter garden of, of, what of, of the coronavirus? I don't know, but I I just felt very connected and very um, warm, and I, I was just loving it. I, I was in heaven. So, well, with that so said, we thought we would try to like open that up and expand it. We can't really do anything in real time to reach all of our fans because you know they're around the globe. I yeah, mean, you know, both, what time is it in Ireland? <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> so um, <laughs> there's no way to know. Um, so what we've decided to do is we're going to be doing for the next few weeks, at least, um, a series of broken records, quarantine streams, where we are going yes, to quarantine stream. Everybody can do it on their own time, but we're yes. going to basically just like give you like the Ben and Daniel take on some classic musical <laughs> theater adjacent uh, video things that you can stream in the comfort of your yes. own home. And then, Content. of course, we want to hear from you if you uh, agreed with our takes or not or what have you or ideas you have for for upcoming ones we should cover. 
Oh, definitely and, that. Um, yeah. I'm very excited because the first one that we are covering is something that we've talked about a little bit on the pod before. It is a legendary yes. one night only presentation in New York City in 1998 at Carnegie Hall, my favorite Broadway, The Leading Ladies. Yes. Now, hold your applause, please. The thing about this concert mm-hmm. is, I actually was there. I've told my whole crazy story about hiding out in the bathroom, etc. Yes. Um, But the other thing is this video was recorded for PBS and it was uh, broadcast on PBS and then it was released on VHS and DVD and there was an audio uh, CD of it, which I think is even Mm -hmm. available on iTunes and, you know, um, Spotify, uh, Spotify and stuff. Um, uh, Mayor Pete. Actually, I don't know. So I, I, (laughs) (laughs) Spotify. Um, No, do not tarnish your reputation like that. I know, no, I'm joking. I'm obviously I'm a Warren Democrat, um, but uh, but the thing is that a couple years ago they put the entire two plus hour concert Honey. on YouTube for you to enjoy, and it is on yes. the Broken Records playlist, so you can watch it from there. Yes, if you I, need I will help be finding that up. it. And yes, Daniel will do that before this draw. I guess that's a hint. But it's so incredible because there's um, it, it's the whole thing. So it's like we'll talk about some numbers yeah. that were never included in the broadcast or the album that I That's love right. forever, including our cherished Audra oh. McDonald singing I've Never Said I Love You from Dear World, which is just God so thrillingly it. belted. I'm saying belted, belted and I'm not Honey. I'm not saying belted the way these alphabas quote unquote belt. <laughs> right. This is this not is- <laughs> belting on a technicality. This is like Audra belting it like Debbie Gravitt looks like Rebecca Luker next to Audra McDonald. Unfortunately, That's, Debbie I- Gravitt is not in the video and I have a fun story about that when we get to the appropriate moment. I'm um, so excited for that. But Anyway, it's a thrilling, it's a thrilling two plus hour presentation with like literally every star in the world. I mean, no Patty, no Betty, no Bernadette, uh, no Cheetah, but like no Barbara Cook, but literally everybody else hosted <laughs> by Julie Andrews. And um, we're going to just go through the whole thing and tell okay, you all I of our wait. feelings. How exciting. I cannot wait. Um, I um I watched I'm it. I'm pulling up my uh, my set list for refreshing. Yes, wonderful. Well, so wonderful. it's hosted by Julie Andrews. It was actually the That's first right. of a series. My favorite Broadway. The second one, which we'll probably cover later, was my favorite Broadway. The love songs, and then there never was a third one. But so Julie hosts yeah. it. But it's opened by uh, Tony Roberts and Robert Morse. Uh, in drag, doing the kind of beauty yes. that drives a man mad from sugar. And I believe sugar. the less we say about that moment, the better. I honestly always fast forward that part because, you know. And that is the kindest thing you can do because I made myself right. watch it. I was like, you're talking about it on the pod. You're going to freaking watch it. And it just got me so aggravated. No, but I think I you to have to put forward. it in your, the mind of 1998. It was like for 1998. That's right. It was the equivalent of like now if you had like Bianca and Bob do it, you know. Well, and and you know, drag was such like a novel thing at that time. It was like, ooh, like we're gonna be edgy and put some drag queens in a leading lady concert, and and the, um, and the Julie Andrews angle as well. She comes on as you know Victor Victoria. And yeah, well, that was fabulous. I love that she comes on in her Victor Victoria drag. Yes. It's the perfect way to end it. Looking amazing. And I have to say, the whole thing is Looking so like Kim well Smith. directed. It's directed by Scott Ellis, who's, of course, a oh, huge, fabulous so Broadway director. Well but he also notably directed Sondheim, a celebration at Carnegie Hall. And there's some of his classy trademarks, like the staircase down the middle. I mean, when mm-hmm, Scott Ellis mm-hmm. does a Carnegie Hall concert, it looks like 
a gala extravaganza as opposed to um, just looking like a beautiful hall. You know, like right. he takes it to the next level where it's yeah. not just the famed hall, but it's more, it makes it feel like an event the way that he does it up with that elegant staircase down the middle. Totally. Giving people different places to enter from. And it must mm. be said that the show Rebels. is conducted by the great Paul Gemignani. And I just get excited when he first walks out. Yes, 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 yes. Same. Um, so okay, then going back okay, to so let's go in. The I, I, list. I'm getting my notes. I'm getting my notes out. I took well. Three so pages. the first number after the little BS Julie sketch with yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Tony and Robert is um, nowadays from Chicago, starting yeah. with good old reliable Karen Ziemba, who makes her first good appearance. Good old Karen, heel first as she comes on. <laughs> I believe she was in the middle of playing Roxy on Broadway at the time, and she certainly is mm. one of everybody's favorite Roxies and. Um, Yes. She just does a fabulous job with this song. And just when you are having already such a great time and it's only the first song and you forget Who Robert Morris and Tony Roberts ever lived, B.B. Newerth. B.B. Newerth, honey. Um, and can I just B. say, like, please, B.B., like, that's a fucking star. I mean, like, I don't talk enough star. about B.B. Newerth. But when she comes out there, like, you I mean, just. The molecules shift. Yes, they shift. And she's gorgeous. Shift. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I, I was thinking about this, like Karen Ziemba, to, to me, she looks like, she, I'm like, is she like the Joan Cusack of Broadway? Like, I don't know. Totally. She, she has, she has this really character look to her, whereas BB is just like a fucking knock. I mean, no, no, you know, no, not to be mean, but BB is like a fucking knockout. And so the two of them together, it's such a great pairing because, you know, BB is just like this smoldering, like sex pot, you know, dancing like a star, just like fucking emote. Like, they're Roxy giving. and Velma. I mean, Roxy, Roxy and is Velma. This, exactly. Roxy's a housewife. Exactly. And Velma's a, Velma's a star. Exactly. So like in that moment, like the chemistry Don't worry, is Karen wonderful. Zamba fans. Karen Zamba gets her <laughs> moment a little later in the broadcast and we will yeah. be all about it. Don't you worry. Yes, that's um, right. But this was a- But in this a, moment- and, and then- Fabulous. And they go into the hot honey rag and it's just so fantastic. Which hot and it's honey the rag- first, um, yeah. that no, nothing makes me happier than that. Like listening to that, I, I could like work totally. out to that every day of my life and be happy, you know? Totally. Well, and it is, um, the first thing in the show that is, it's my favorite Broadway, the leading ladies, and you're getting a lot of original cast star turns. BB North right. won the Tony for playing Velma. Here mm-hmm. she is doing these big numbers from the show. And then the next song is Faith Prince comes out and yes. does Adelaide's Lament, restaurant quality, everything restaurant you ever wanted. Restaurant quality, honey. Yes, and, and in context, like when, where was this? Because this was 98, right? Yes. So when was this in, in context with um, Guys and Dolls and her It was wins? six years after. Okay. Um, she had already done a couple of shows, and um, she was about to, the following year, do um, Bells Are Ringing. She was in the mm. middle of starring on TV in um, uh, Spin City as Richard Kind's wife. Oh, okay. And um, I believe it was the time when she had just started doing her cabaret show, Leap of Faith, which she performed at Joe's Pub about a year right. later and recorded. Wonderf- wonderful live album. Um, I have to say, watching this um, in our current, you know, uh, climate, uh, watching this number stressed me out so much because of how much she touches her face during this song. (laughs) Totally. She has that tissue and she's like touching the mic. I'm like, no, no. No I'm like, oh, wait. 
you know, yeah. back in the day, honey, back in the nineties, you could just sneeze willy nilly and be fine. It's very, tw- it's very 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, um, and Faith's also, I love, I don't know, Faith's hair. It, I've, I mean, also what we, what we don't talk about enough about this, um, concert is the fact that it's such yeah. a time capsule for nineties fashion. Like everyone who comes out is just wearing like a different style of nineties gown or like a weird shoulder padded pantsuit. Um, and the hair as well. And, and Faith's hair in this number is so just like ni- late nineties to me. Late 90s. Well, okay. So the next number uh, is Judy Kuhn doing Don't Rain on My Parade, which was left off of the broadcast and the album and everything else. Yes. Which, when this happens, I'm always dresses. Hello. Totally, totally. The sandals. Here's the thing, though. Like, Judy has talked about how sick she was that night. Right. And um, it's really funny because she sounds so amazing. And. Um, there's just these, uh, couple of moments where you can hear just like at the very end of her breath, just like a little bit of like, like, she'll be like, she'll be like, she'll be like, uh, you know, uh, uh, life, I guess I didn't make it hot, sir. I guess I didn't fake it. (laughs) It's like this little tiny Harvey fire scene. It's like Judy Kuhn, Judy Kuhn, Harvey fire scene. And first of all, it's just (laughs) such a testament. We've, we said this about Judy when we interviewed her and obviously everybody has said it about her all the time, which is that like, she's got the most healthy singing voice in the world. She's just like pure vocal health. And it really says so much about Judy that like, even like throwing up backstage on her deathbed, she still just has these like ringing (laughs) tones. It's so true. That said, well, and it's not this, the most exciting performance of Don't Ran on My Parade, and it's definitely not the most exciting moment of Judy Kuhn. That's right. And, you know, whenever... Oh, I'm sorry, one more complaint. Sh- yes, go on. Yes, exactly. Well, if you had BB doing Chicago and you had Faith yeah. doing Adelaide's Lament, why the hell wasn't Judy singing yeah. someone else's story? Exactly. It's an Which odd choice for her. It's part of a bigger problem because there is not a single professionally shot video in existence, or at least on my Which existence, is... of Judy <laughs> doing someone else's story. Um, which is a tragedy and, and a travesty. Um, All those and things. I will say, I mean, uh, we'll get into this later, but seeing Judy's second appearance on stage, it's like it really puts it into context that this is like the beginning of kind of her illness. Like this is like act one of whatever she's going through, you know, whatever sickness. And then later in the show, it's like, Oh bitch, this is full blown. Like this is full blown COVID-19. <laughs> oh my God. That's so terrible. Well, if it's true, it would mean that Judy was immune now, which would be wonderful. Right. Right. But you know, in this, as she sings, don't rain on my parade. It's kind of like the fever is just starting, you know, like, like the other symptoms have, have yet to set in. Um, okay. So anyway, next is, um, Anna Kendrick. And what I will say is maybe her most mature performance of her career. Um, here's the thing. (laughs) I've never seen what's cups. What's it called? What, what is her like pop movie? What? Oh, like Uh, why do all you little bitches hate Anna Kendrick so much? I, I really hate her. And I'll tell you why. Um, well, Go ahead. Well, I just, I, she's just very um, whiny. I mean, she, to me, she's kind of like a character actress, you know? She shouldn't be 
given given all these leading lady roles because she's kind of one note in my opinion and um you know she has a a certain thing that she brings to the table but it's not really like a comedic ability and it's not you know she's not like this profound actress but you know seeing her as a little girl in this number which is don't tell mama um it's not don't tell mama (laughs) wait what's it called (laughs) It's life upon the wicked stage, but she does it backed up by the Alan Cumming Kit Kat girls. Right. Oh my God. What? That's exactly, yes. Why I was saying that. Um, and like, she does like, no, very, but doesn't like, she do like cabaret style choreography? But does she not do like mother thinks I'm living in a convent? Does she not think, say that? I think maybe she literally says that. <laughs> I think she maybe she even that. sings it. But it's the song is Life on the Wicked Stage. She's I don't know what like I can't remember the details of the specific like bit they do, but like they do the whole song Life on the Wicked Stage. Right, right, right. Okay. I must have written it down like right as she came out and I was like, oh, cabaret. Anyway, but um FYI uh, for our listeners, so you don't have to uh-huh. go through what Daniel went through. There's actually a complete um, set list on the de- detail, the description of the YouTube thing. Yes, and not only yes, is it a set true. list, but it also gives you the time code for each number. It's actually oh, like wonderful. whoever uploaded this is like my favorite person ever, right? Because right. I spent years crying about all the missing tracks from the uh, professionally released version. Anyway, go on. That's very true. No. Anyway, but I, that's all I'm saying and is I, I think love this Anna has been Kendrick made clear by the way child. already. But for for anyone that doesn't know this, like this whole thing was shot broadcast quality. This, so it's like this is not a bootleg. <laughs> it's just the unreleased. Like Scott Ellis probably like showed this on Fire Island enough times that somebody like got a hold of it and put it up. Right, it's like, exactly. It's the whole it's. It's multi-camera edited. There's yeah. like one or two moments where the camera like doesn't know what to do, like during the overture. Like somebody yeah. was like, "Girl, girl, we're definitely not putting the overture Whoa. on." So, so like they like took a cigarette break. But other than that, it's like it's restaurant quality. Yeah, restaurant. So, now, c- can I just say my journey with Anna Kendrick, which please, is why please. I've like never understood your people. Yes. Like I first heard of her in 1996. Seven, I think it may be six, whatever year High Society, the Katherine Hepburn movie was made into a musical on Broadway starring Melissa Errico and okay. um, Randy Graff and Stephen Bogardis and this little girl, Anna Kenrick, who people Kendrick. said was like Kendrick, whatever. People said she was like, <laughs> you're the one that hates her. People said like she was like cute and sassy or I don't know. Like, I didn't see it. It was a flop. I didn't live in New York, but like it was. She was well regarded as this little girl. Yeah. And then shortly after I moved to New York, I went to see this My Favorite Broadway thing. And I thought she was so just fabulous and like sassy and wonderful, holding her own with the Kit Kat girls, yeah. doing their like skanky Kit Kat choreography at the same mm-hmm. time as being like a perfect little dainty June. Like, you know, right. my next experience of her was the movie Camp where she did that, Uh like, you know, hilarious uh, Ladies Who Lunch, Mm -hmm. you know, where she shoved the girl out of the way to go on as the understudy. And next thing I know, she was Cinderella in Into the Woods, and I thought she was good. I mean, was she my favorite performance in the movie? No. Was she as good as Laura Benanti in the Broadway revival or Kim Crosby in the original production? Hell no. no. Was she uh, as good as Jesse Mueller in the production in Central Park? Also no. Um... But she was as good as I imagine, like, a lot of other people that they could have given the part to would have been, like, Amy Adams or somebody, you know? 
Yeah, but um, I don't, I mean. I, I just don't I'm, get the hatred. Like when you say she gets these, it reminds me of like, I feel like Anna Kendrick is Vicki Clark and you <laughs> are Ben Rimmelauer. And I'm like, she's a character actress. Why do they give her these leading roles? And you're like, what leading role? She had one role. Like, what is it that you so begrudge her? I just think, I think she just annoys me. You know, I just find her annoying and cloying and I, you know, maybe it's just like a, a taste thing. Like, a, a, you know, it's, it's polarizing. You either love her or you hate All her. Right. Well, speaking of taste, speaking although for the of... record, you hate her and I tolerate her. Nobody here is loving her. Okay. Just for the record. Calm down. Um, although if she's listening, we'd love to have her as a guest. <laughs> um, I can, Absolutely. And I'll just, I can get Ryan us. O'Connor to fill in for Daniel that particular day. Um, <laughs> Oh, now, uh, uh, speaking of taste, yes, the next honey. performance yes. in the set yes. is <laughs> one and only Tony Award winner, Broadway legend, once in a generation talent, Jennifer Holiday. Yes, J. The song of all songs, If You Walked Into My Life. In the interpretation of all interpretations. <laughs> And yet somehow no interpretation. And somehow, yeah. And wearing the one, two, or three wigs of all wigs. Um, It's at least three wigs. It's at least three wigs. I think one of them was the hair that Faith Prince had on earlier. Just It's actually not a wig. It's actually like a really elaborate Swiss clock. What do you call it? Like a cuckoo clock. (laughs) Like a cuckoo clock, yes. Yeah. And Swiss it, army clock. I and when it when it when it opens, the door opens, and the it just goes. Bird, ah, 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 the, ah. the the little bird comes out and goes. May. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like you took like a computer that Truly. had a recording of her doing. If he uh, I, and I'm telling you, I'm not going. One hundred. And you were like. You just like copied and pasted all the choices and just like inserted new music and lyrics. But just like scrambled it around a bit. And then, um, but at the end, I will say the the funniest part of this song for me was like, it's like the, ex- the extremely anticlimactic, like you think it's going to be a modulation, but then it's not. And she actually goes back down the octave and sings the last phrase. And it's, it's just so weird. It's so crazy. Oh. And I just, every time I see it, it's crazier <laughs> than the time before. It truly is. And I'm just like, how, like, what was her, I want to know what was going through her head. Or if what anything. could possibly, what could, and um, the sad thing is, as crazy as that is, as nonsensical as that is, It's Mm -hmm. still not crazy enough and not nonsensical enough to make you enjoy the next performance. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is. Like, I love Priscilla Lopez and I love the song Nothing. Like, I want to have her on the pod. And like, was she sick that night too? Because it is underwhelming and not in like a Judy Kuhn like you can hear the tickle in her throat but how incredible she still sounds anyway but like it's and not only vocally it's like it's really not enjoyable it's it's very like um it seems like she I mean she she would be like the best performer actress at like you know a community theater 
like benefit concert for like not necessarily i don't know what kind of community theaters you had in oklahoma but i've seen some fierce ass community theater sure but i mean she's you know she comes on and first of all she looks she looks kind of like a mixture between like liza minnelli and like joanne worley but with none of like the energy and pizzazz um but, but I mean, I just saw her on Broadway in Grand Horizons, and mm-hmm. um, which I loved, by the way, with Michael Urie mm-hmm. and Jane Alexander. And, I didn't um, know she was in that. Uh, James Cromwell and Ashley Park, and what's the other, mm-hmm. the younger, the other hot young guy? But and Priscilla Lopez, who was fabulous, and who now, mm-hmm. twenty years later, looks fabulous. I mean. It's just, yeah. I just don't understand. And by the way, she is a fierce performer, not just in a yeah. chorus line. She actually replaced Donna McKechnie in Company. Oh, Just so wow. you know, she's a legit, maybe in yeah, your yeah, high yeah. school production of Chorus Line, the girl that sang nothing was just like the belter who couldn't dance. But Priscilla mm-hmm. Lopez is a Michael Bennett dancer, okay? 100%. And Priscilla Lopez also replaced Andrea Martin in Pippin. Like, oh, that's right. Priscilla well, Lopez can and and by the way, she wasn't a one-hit wonder with Chorus Line. She won a Tony for a day in Hollywood, a night in the Ukraine. Who? <laughs> it was a, a musical uh, in the early '80s, directed by Tommy Tune. I think it was kind of a hit. It had songs by different people, including Jerry Herman. Oh, wonderful. Okay, well, yeah. But we but anyway, do, so we've dwelt a long time on this number. We felt nothing, but we have no Tino shade ah! for Priscilla Lopez. We think it's right. a fluke. Um, fluke. The the next so. song, I feel bad because time has not been kind to. The next number is "Could well, I Leave You." It's hard hearing this song now because now we have all the Donnas. Well, not only the Donna, but um, uh, I mean, for me, the best Donna Murphy song in Follies was um, "Lucy and Jesse." Lucy and Jesse, yeah. I just thought she hadn't. I'm not someone that gets really into like dance numbers and that kind of thing. <laughs> but I would watch Donna Murphy star in like a like a, a silent dance a ballet. Piece. <laughs> like I am here for Donna Murphy dancing. Yeah. I loved it so much. And of course, her "Could I Leave You" is as great as everybody says. Yeah. I, if it, for comparing "Could I Leave You"s, my heart is actually with Jan Maxwell. Um, oh, sure. I yeah. think like what Jan lacks in Donna's musical comedy panache mm-hmm. made her, could I leave you a little, a little e- even more empathetic for me Sure. as opposed to um, Donna's Lucy and Jesse, which made me gay in ways I didn't know I already was. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, but I remember when this video before the video, I remember when I saw this concert, cause I had not seen D Hody star in Follies at the paper mill playhouse, although I uh-huh. knew the album, but uh, but I remember seeing this and being thrilled by her and thinking mm. she is as gorgeous and elegant and fierce and savage as Alexis Smith. And yet where Alexis Smith like can carry a tune, mm. Dehody is like, you know, could star in like a regional production of Sunset Boulevard. She's like a freaking belter, yo, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with like mm-hmm. a very like dexterous upper mix, you know? Right, like, right. So... I remember well, just thinking she was like definitive in my young eyes, but now I'm just like next. Well, and I feel like it's such a '90s just energy to the whole thing. Like she, <laughs> the pantsuit. She, she has the pantsuit <laughs> with like the white blazer with the shoulder pads and like the short blonde, you know, bob or whatever. And it's 
I mean, she has a very like Sharon Stone quality. Totally. So it's, it's very of that time. So I don't know, maybe it worked a little, maybe it just doesn't age well. Um, yeah. Although she certainly will age well. Cause she's gorgeous. Um, yes. Well, okay. The next number that has aged strikingly so well. well, and even a little ahead of its time in the choices. Very ahead of its time. Yeah, I mean, Leah Delaria has always been ahead of her time. Totally. And this was a really exciting moment because it was when kind of Broadway was like starting to catch up. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, uh, as a matter of fact, she was such a hit in on the town. Mm. That you know that they had her come and do this yeah. number because she what had she been before that? She was a bit player. I mean, she had that like funny cameo in First Wives. First Wives that's what yeah. I knew her from. You know, Couple years prior, um, and she had been doing her her stand up comedy and you know little summer shows in P Town. But I mean, mm-hmm. she was not she was not a national star, let alone a yeah. Broadway talent. You know, but she showed her Broadway talent in on the town, and they put her in this, and then she starred on Broadway in the Rocky Horror Show as. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, wasn't she Meatloaf's character? What's Rock? Uh, not Rocky. What's his name? Um, uh, 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 like a male role, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the one that Meatloaf played in the movie. I can't remember his name. And she was in uh, the Encore's production of Lil Abner, um, also playing oh. a male role, you know? And, oh, great. Um, uh, but it was, it, I just, it's just thrilling what she can do because in addition to having that sexy butch kind of like mm-hmm. Elvis Presley meets yeah, very Elvis. something else energy. Yeah. She's also, um, you know, a fabulous, you know, belter in the sort of Ethel Merman kind of tradition. Yeah. I mean, as yeah. good as all those old broads, the Nancy Walkers and the Martha Rays and all that, you know, mm-hmm. and like some of those broads, like Martha Ray, maybe even more than Martha Ray, she's really like, she can like sing – Real jazz. I mean, she's a yeah, real musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she is. Just, she is. And by the side, way, her David Bowie album. Oh my god! I was just hot. about to say. Side note. <laughs> Love it so much. It is so wonderful. Her cover of I think it's um, um, Modern Love. Is Modern my favorite. Love. It's like a, this oh beautiful, god, yes. devastating ballad. Um, and just her her vocals on it are like it's like Katie Lang level brilliance. Um, I have to also say in these trying times, I made mm-hmm. my um, uh, quarantine, uh, my playlist. <laughs> yeah, and, quarantines. Um, <laughs> quarantines. I think it's called Quarantine Feeling. Oh, <laughs> cute. Um, um, but it's um, uh, it's way too long. It's like 3,000 songs. It's like so unruly, like all my playlists. So you. <laughs> if but, anyone loves a long playlist, it's Ben. <laughs> I don't love a long playlist. I just well, need you know years love it. to get it down. Yeah, it's just, I wish it were shorter, but I don't want to cut songs that I'm not positive I want I mean, to cut it's just yet. so you. But anyway, uh, one of, of the running things out that, of the playlist. <laughs> so true. Even if I were to take a machete to that playlist, <sighs> the House of David would be on there without 100%. Um, wait, what yeah, was it you yeah, told yeah, me you yeah. did leave out of the album, though? Or you did leave off of the playlist? You were like, you know who it doesn't have on? <laughs> I don't remember. Who was it? You were like, you know who it doesn't have on? Oh, Miss, Miss Streisand. Oh, yes. There's no Barbara on That's my so playlist. crazy. Interesting. You know you what? Know. She's just not comforting to me in these times of need. She sure isn't, especially on Twitter, honey. She is rage tweeting. I haven't followed her on Twitter. I'm about to have to I don't mute need her that at least. In my life. 
she's she's a little too much for me right now. Um, I mean, listen, even if, you know, I, I can mute Bette Midler on Twitter, but her music still does it for me. Barbara, I'm like, where? what, what do I have no, left? Bette Midler's music is my soul. I need that yeah. to live. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, like, I wouldn't care if Bette, like, you know... <laughs> voted for I don't Trump. Know what was like <laughs> yeah I would like need those those tunes I know I would be able to like s- like separate the two <laughs> um anyway so yeah Leah Delaria I mean so good and and it's I, it's shocking because she comes out and sings that that line about like fish and then she like touches her crotch I'm like oh girl like that is a bold choice Especially yeah. because, like, the whole, like, I mean, maybe it was and I just didn't know it, but, like, the whole, like, fish euphemism, like, does do people know what that is? Like, back back then before, you know, Drew Grace? I mean, I knew fish had, like, a vaginal connotation, mm. but I didn't know that it had, I didn't think of it in terms, I mean, I'd seen Paris is Burning, but I didn't, like, mm. know the lingo. Right, right. Um... Okay, so then next... Um, speaking of fish. <laughs> speaking of fish, honey, and looking the fishiest with that little flip hair and, like, just yes. made up, wonder, looking wonderfully beautiful. <laughs> um, Andrea, not Andrea Martin, Andrea McArdle. Andrea. <laughs> look, uh, singing Look for the Silver Lining. Um, yes. Uh, look for the Silver Lining into Tomorrow. Into her signature um, song. <laughs> if anyone has not heard the best Carol Channing story in the world, yeah, um, I'm sure there's a I will tell it to you now. Um, it is from Andrew McArdle. I'm just going to go uh, to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> yeah, take your time. Um, Andrea talks about being on tour in Jerry's Girls, and uh, it's my favorite Carol Channing story. And she was her and Carol and Leslie Uggams, and I think she says that like she was like hanging out in like tech rehearsal or I don't know, they were loading into a theater. She was smoking outside the stage door with some chorus girls. And they were like, do you ever get tired of singing tomorrow? And Andrea was like, are you kidding? If I have to sing that song, never again, it'll be too soon or something like that. And Carol Channing happened to be walking (laughs) by at that moment. And she says, Andrea, a word. (laughs) And she's like, yeah. And she's like, I don't ever want to hear you speak ill of tomorrow again. That's your signature song. And she's like, oh, Carol, I was just kidding around. She goes, Andrea, it is your signature song. Do you know how lucky you are? Why, that's what they play when you present at the Tonys. Just like when I present, they play Hello, Dolly. What do you think they play when poor Leslie presents? And uh, Andrea said, I don't know. And Carol said, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh. So anyway, um, wait, wasn't that? Le- am I? Wasn't Leslie Uggams? Didn't she make an appearance on the Rosie broadcast the other night? Am I making um, that up? If she did, I was in the middle of a. I mean, there was nervous breakdown. So there were so many. I mean, I can't keep it straight. Um, anyway, um, and then so she sings that, and and you know. One, I mean, she looks great, and she has that b- beautiful velvet dress on. Um, uh, again, you know, 90s time capsule. Next is Audra, the first of three songs that she's in, and the first of, like, four Yeah, outfits. bitch. Um, <laughs> Thank no, you I for bringing it. up the outfits. Yeah, yeah. She has four different dresses that she wears. Um, I'm obsessed with these concerts in general. 
with the fact that women uh, performers uh, will have different dresses, different outfits yeah. for their different numbers. And I'm especially obsessed with them With the having, ones who don't. <laughs> well, no, but with them having yet another thing to wear for the curtain oh. call at the end. Yes, honey. Yes, 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 That yes. is the ultimate to me. That's the ultimate. You're like, did I exit? Did I re-enter? I wore something yes, else. Yes, yes. Whereas Next. Jennifer Holiday, Jennifer Holiday wears the same dress for every number. Okay. In in fairness, Jennifer Holiday's hair is all she needs to be doing. <laughs> That's Literally, true. Jennifer Holiday <laughs> could be buck ass naked, and it would not matter. You would never would notice, notice because the hair is insane <laughs> and the face is insane. Oh, the teeth. Oh, and that lipstick. I mean, again, the '90s lipstick in this concert is out of this out of control because it's all that like it's like that dark red almost brown shade of lipstick yes, totally and jennifer's totally. is like done over with like another layer of lip gloss and so it just like it's blinding how shiny it is <laughs> yes yes anyway um what else? so andrea so the- is beautiful yeah. and sings beautifully and her voice just has that same timbre that just i mean yeah. it, it always makes me think of the lyric in um uh, title of show in Heidi's mm-hmm. song, um, a way back mm-hmm. to then when she's like hearing Andrea McArdle sing from the something in the backyard, whatever. Like it's Andrea McArdle's voice does that for all of us. And it's yeah. such a gift that as an yeah. adult decades later, she still has that quality and it's, it's lovely. And, yeah. and by the way, it is another one of the Broadway originals along with Leah and D and, mm. um, uh, not Judy <laughs> singing, not her song. Mm, right, right. Um, so Audra singing Audra. "Down with Love" into kind of like a Streisand medley, but not a Streisand medley. Um, and well, then it's she like I mean, Streisand sings on Barbara's second album, and yeah. I guess in a lot of her concerts and TV specials, TV appearances at the time, she sang the standard Down With Love. That's like mm-hmm. 1964 when that album came out or something like that, 63, mm-hmm. 62. Mm-hmm. And when she would sing Down With Love, she did a special a special material arrangement of it where she didn't just sing the same song Bobby Darren and Judy Garland and everybody else sang, but she worked in some little, little snippets of right, well-known right. standards to make it sort of a comment on how love is driving her crazy, singing all these, yes. you know, on the ceiling, in my bed, et cetera. For, yeah, that was songs yeah. that were very familiar to the people at the time mm-hmm. um, and to people like us today. And I know that Barbara version better than I know the real totally. straight up song, Down With Love. But the Audra thing is so brilliant because it's a comment on that because it it's she sings basically the Barbara version of Down With yes. Love, but she ups the ante by including yes. in that including the little bits of other songs, not just standards that Barbara did, but actual Barbara Streisand signature songs and some and. of Audra's own signature material, yes, like and. Mr. Snow, which she had yes, not that Mr. long Snow. before when her first, she, I think I was trying to figure out, I guess Audra already had three Tonys at the time of this concert. Oh, fuck. Wow. Yeah. Um, Thank I'm you. obsessed. I don't know if that was like a digital says... delay pause, or you were just chewing on the fact that she had three Tonys. But I enjoyed the pause nonetheless. No, I mean that's that is a. I mean that's crazy to think about. Like back in '98, she already had three Tonys. Wow. Um, yeah, I love. I'm obsessed with the way she says "stupid." She says, 
um, down with size, romantic and stupid. So good. Totally. Well, she does. I mean, we'll talk when we get to it about her other big solo mm. in this, um, which the one we were saying how much she like just belts the fuck out of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but she definitely gives you some like very like uncharacteristic belting in this number as well. She ends on a belt for sure. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of belt in the middle and it's just, I, I just love Audra in this mode. Of, and me it's too. So, um, but someone was, someone she's still committed. And, yes. Yes. And it's very guttural. It's very like, yeah. um, well, I'll save that for the next song, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, someone was telling me that she, the reason she doesn't belt is because she always, whenever she belts, she always loses her voice after. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I mean, it would make sense why she doesn't belt if that's the case. I mean, she studied voice classical That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, surely she's built, um, I'm sure she's healthy. Maybe her voice just isn't, is a little more sensitive, her chords. I mean, the way she belts in these songs in this concert it as fabulous and thrilling as it is it does not have that judy kuhn like placement belting that sounds so healthy like as healthy yeah, as audrey's voice always sounds it doesn't really sound healthy when she's belting it sounds thrilling but it sounds dangerous mm, which is why we love it yeah totally Anyway, it's um, genius. Someone else we love um, coming up next is um, Marin Maisie singing, as you say, Bewitched. And I am, this has been a real moment for me that revisiting this video and in, mm. in, um, in advance of us talking about it, because mm. I remember when I saw this and she came out, another one that I was like, why is she singing this? Why is she not singing back to before? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like it sure. seemed like. Like I get, I don't even understand why you wouldn't just want her to do that. But, and I was annoyed because to me, Bewitched was Patty's song, you know, at that time. (laughs) Um, Well, and not, not that I was annoyed that she would step on Patty's turf. It's not like that. It's more like I love Marin and I wouldn't enjoy her singing a version of Bewitched that I liked less than Patty's, you know? Yeah. Um, And also she sang it kind of in a key similar to Patty. She sang it in like a belter key as opposed to the more soprano-y key that it historically was, you know, sung in. Right. And that bothered me too, because she was doing it not, it didn't have the Patti Lapone belty quality that I liked. Patti did this sort of metallically when she belted it. Marin's is so rich the way she belts it that it wasn't as thrilling to me, you know, um, so I kind of was just like wishing she was singing something else or wishing that she was singing something, or wishing she was singing even this, but in a more soprano-y key, mm-hmm. you know, that would be more unique to her voice. And I'd sort of written it off at the time that I saw the concert. And then all the years when I would watch the DVD or like they would play the tracks from it at um, like musical Mondays at Splash yeah. Bar or like whatever mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like I always would just sort of write this off and like watching this video revisiting it to to talk about it i was like really wanting to have a different experience of it because i appreciate marin so much more now that she's gone i mean i always loved her but yeah i just want to treasure every bit that she left behind you know mm-hmm. and i'm very happy to say that like i just felt like you know jason Danielly, her husband is so fucking mm-hmm. hot Mm. And um, I've always had a crush on him since Floyd Collins and like the full Monty. And I just 
thought she was like telling me a story about just like wanting his D, you know? Mm. And I was just like listening to her with her like great big dick sucking lips, just yes, like honey. opening up and just that rich voice that just yes. is like, I mean, talk about we said oceanic about Judy Hume, but Mary in a way, even more, it's a tidal wave, you know? It and sure I was just is. Wet. I was just wet. Well, honey. and it's, and it, same. And, and it's, you know, um, Marin, it, it, a tidal wave is a good way to describe it because it's very, it flows and it ebbs and it's just like the lo- those long lines, honey, with those big mm. 90s lipstick DSLs. <laughs> um, and also what I had not appreciated in the past about this rendition, I think mm. because every time it would start, I'd be like, oh, right, it's a belter key like Patty, but it's not Patty. Next. But it's she doesn't sing it in like a standard like musical theater arrangement like Patty does. It's actually a schmaltzy, it's yes. almost like an Edie Gourmet style arrangement with like a. I don't know if it's a key change. I'm not good at sometimes telling that, but it definitely has like a great big <laughs> dynamic shift and like, like a swell. It comes a huge swell and it has like a really thrilling, almost like kind of a symphonic, you know, lift to it. Um, yeah. For like a great big ending and then a beautiful small ending mm. after that. And it's like, I'm just so, uh, I just, I just love what she does with it. I can't believe it took me 20 years to get here. And I will say as much as I love a huge, big belted, you know, ending, there's nothing more satisfying than a huge swell and then ending on just a really soft, satisfying conclusion. Like that is, that is where it's at. Totally. Nothing because we know that you gave us like a, journey. a thrill and yeah. now we're ready for something just like some just little bit of like a kiss goodnight, you know? Mm. It's like you fucked me, you, <laughs> you fucked came me. in my ass and now we're going to cuddle. And now you're kissing me goodnight. Exactly. <laughs> this is so great. <laughs> Honey, I mean, the, the horniness is real in isolation. Um, yes, it is. Uh, okay. So, and then there's Rosie. <laughs> Speaking of, <laughs> there's Rosie. So, first of all, have we ever determined was this planned? She comes out and starts this bit, and and why don't why don't you say what happens? Because I'm I'm not clear as to, as if if this was planned or if it was like a quick cover up. I think it was planned. Um, I don't know. I remember being there and being really. Uh, excited and scared of whether Liza was going to show up because Rosie comes on. It was a really dark time in in the Liza story. Like she had canceled a lot of concerts and was like supposedly like not doing well. Yeah. And, um, at the time was one of the many main reasons I wanted to be at this. And I remember you can't tell on the video because they pushed pause or edited it out or whatever, but like there was like a break, like it intermission oh, came really? after Liza. Oh, that's good But after Marin finished singing, there was the show just ground to a halt and the house lights oh, even came shit. up a little bit. And I remember seeing like, like, some people like running up the aisle, like, you know, and like in black, like with headsets, you know, now (laughs) I don't know if that means Liza isn't ready. We need somebody to go kill time. Or Mm. if that meant Liza isn't ready. Rosie needs to do more than just talk. Like, I don't know, you know, cause she makes a weird joke. So Rosie comes out and she does a little bit of talk. She talks a little bit about how she's not a real singer with all these women, but Mm -hmm. while she's here and she sings Liza with the Z 
And then Liza comes out and joins her to finish off yeah. Liza with a Z. And um, Rosie uh, says because they wrote the song just for her, she's going to sing it just with piano only. And, like, I wonder if that is because it's, that's what makes it seem unplanned to me. Like, mm-hmm. why, why wouldn't Rosie have charts? And um, uh, so I don't, I don't really know. But definitely, that's a good like, point. something fishy was going on. Yeah. Also, I remember at the time thinking Rosie was making a gay joke because she's like, there's some things about me that I don't really like to talk oh. about. But I want to get, she's like, but I want to get something off my chest. And then she said, and, and it's, it's Liza with a Z, not Lisa with an S. Yeah. And it's like, so I remember thinking that was like a wink, wink joke for everybody. Cause it was like an mm. open secret that she was gay. Yeah. But, but I don't know. I also think maybe I was reading too much into the whole thing. Well, now um, that you're saying that, I mean, it makes sense because I mean, I'm like, you know, Obviously, Rosie wasn't, like, on... I mean, she didn't sing any other song in the show. So, I mean, she wasn't, you know, in a part of the evening. And she wasn't really... Like, yeah, she was very Broadway adjacent, but she wasn't, like, a leading... A Broadway leading lady. So, the fact... I mean, she, but she was probably there in the audience. So, I'm sure someone was, like, get Rosie, have her come on and vamp or whatever. And then when Liza comes on, it seems very, like, Liza just decided suddenly to come on. Like, it doesn't seem like it was planned at all for that to be it's so bizarre i mean before we get into liza i just want to say someone that we for sure have to have on the pod is scott ellis Mm -hmm. uh yes totally from him to the extent yes oh my god but um we want to hear all about this concert um okay liza i mean if you thought jennifer holiday was crazy (laughs) buckle in um (laughs) first of all (laughs) that was me cracking open a diet cracking open a diet ginger ale that's so good (laughs) I mean, first of all, Liza, no one else, before they sing, no one else speaks. No one else comes on and, like, introduces their numbers, let alone two numbers in a row, until Liza. Liza May. Not only does she I sing mean, two numbers. I mean, three numbers if you include, if you include Liza with Liza a Z. Liza with a Z, totally. And, and, and she speaks between them, tells stories, like does like I must extended... tell you, when I was 13 <laughs> years old, my mama took me to see a Broadway show. Gypsy, star, starring Ethel Merman. Um, and, and, I mean, I mean, you have to look, give it to Liza. She is in arguably the worst voice of her life. The worst shape, maybe not the worst shape, but you know, not but a good real, shape. real bad shape. And like looking just like a mess, just like just her face just does not show somebody who knows what the hell's going on. But she sings not just some people, which is like her go to, her go to. Her goal too. She sings. She does her Broadway original. She yes. shows up and fulfills original the assignment. Choreo. I mean, "Sing Happy" is not an easy song to sing, yeah. and she did not need to do it. Liza could have done anything. She could have done yeah. a fucking Charles Aznavour song if she wanted to. Sure, but okay. She does her song that she won her first Tony starring on Broadway for because mm. she is here to be a yes. part of it. New York. She's going to deliver, York. even if it's even if it's a very sweaty deliverance. And it, got, it is a masterclass in how to get by with nothing. The show must go on. <laughs> because she it's knows so, how that's to... so true. She knows how to sneak around singing a song. It's so creative. <laughs> she knows how to know sneak how around she comes singing. up with this. She's like, she's like, because sing me, sing, sing happy is actually like a big 
like barn burner. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's really yeah. no point in that song other than you're just belting for Jesus. And she's like, she finds a way to just like make choices <laughs> that you just have so no. So true. You would never think to make a choice there. You're just supposed to be like, sing me a happy song about robins in spring. And she's like, sing me a happy song about robins in, in spring. I mean, it's <laughs> truly, like, truly just like making it just like Eliza Minnelli type performance. Like this is where we, this is why she's so singular and why people reference her and imitate her so much is because like, she just finds a way to like fucking get around all the, you know, the difficulties and and just deliver it in her own little, uh, through her own little lens. But it's, it's so, it's like beyond genius. It's like a cockroach, like adapting to like (laughs) nuclear, like fallout because she's got her bag of tricks of how she's going to approach each phrase that she is in no way vocally capable of pulling off. So, but her bag of tricks includes lots of things. It includes all kinds of tricks, like switching hands with the mic, like walking over there, strutting over there, throwing my scarf, flipping my hair, looking at the piano player. But like, they're not necessarily vocal things. They're more just distractions. She's like, what are all the different things I can do to distract from the fact that I can't sing? And by the way, when she gets (laughs) to the unavoidable end of each phrase, where there's just (laughs) nothing you can do except hold this note that she is not in any way going to even approach being able to hit, she just (laughs) tries her best. She commits, honey. She commits. She she just throws her head back and lets whatever comes out, comes out. (laughs) She sure does. And, um, and oh, and it's so genius because when that's over and she's about to start some people, she takes off. It's not even a scarf. I mean, she's wearing a black silk, like silk. long sleeve yeah. t-shirt over like <laughs> you know, black. What, why is my Siri suddenly like dictating and doing? Do you Uh-oh. hear that? Siri's no. talking to me. Um, it's. I think I'm saying some keyword that turns it on. I'll have Uh-oh. to change the setting. It's. It's the God. It's the universe telling me not to talk shit about Liza. No, but it's so genius because she. Whatever she's wearing is this three piece thing. It's like silk stretch, silk like you know dancer pants it's or whatever. Very similar I mean, to what she wore to the Oscars. The blue outfit. Yes, totally. I'm sure she's had it in many colors and many sizes. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But there's also like. <laughs> If you barely call it a scarf, it's like a long, 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 skinny yeah. piece of matching silk fabric that mm-hmm. drapes around her neck and flies off behind her shoulder that she mm-hmm. uses for all kinds of gestures in the performance. But yeah. then when she's about to do some people, she takes it off and puts it on the piano. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. this is not part of that story that she's going to tell, you know? Oh, right. Yes. Yes. It's I mean, so fascinating. It's just, there's just so much going on with her. It's just, yeah. you just well, can't take your eyes off her. Totally. And when she does some people, I will say, as bad a shape as she was in, um, I, I've never, I've never, um, oh my God, I have so many notes. So many notes on Liza. Um, I've never, I, I feel like she really is jonesing for that 88 bucks. You know, it's like... Um, She's jonesing for something. That's for yeah, goddamn like, sure. I mean, never before have I felt like the urgency and the desperation of Mama Rose than in that moment when her hands are like, you know, 
fluttering at her sides and her, you know, her, her neck and her chest are just like drenched in sweat. I'm like, Oh bitch. Like she really needs that 88 bucks. Yes, she does. So, I mean, but and of all the years, the decades that she has sung some people mm-hmm. and all the crazy ass shit that she has improv mm-hmm. in the middle, <laughs> either in addition to, or instead of the actual lines she's supposed to say. Right. Right. <sighs> This, this has to take the cake for it the sure does. It takes the blueberry I pie. Give, I seen you give more than that to the guy next door to go to the track. Go to the track. What what weird life is she coming from? Was what that weird. her experience? <laughs> it had she, to have been. Did Sid Luft do that and Judy would get mad at him? And so that stuck in Liza's like childhood like yeah. trauma? It's so specific. She's not saying like, I've seen you spend more money than that on at the track. I've, no, she says, I've seen you give more than that to the guy next door to go to the track. <laughs> yeah, what even is that? It's the so neighbor? specific. Like when Vincent Minnelli would like pay the boy next door to like let him suck his dick. Is that what and they told him money little, the like team, <laughs> Liza that it was just for horse racing because that was more acceptable? Like where does that come from? Um, I mean, that's that's so true. That's so true. And um, shout out to the gay guy in the audience at the end, the one man who stands and gives her a standing ovation. I loved that. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, where I need con- I knew you kind of mentioned it, but I need context for where Liza was in this moment in time in terms of her recovery and her. She just, was very I, not good. I mean, th- w- this was in the midst of all of it. I mean, she hadn't gone to rehab. Well, there's or been had many she gone to rehab? She had gone to rehab many times. Right. This was this was a bad moment. She the first time she went to rehab was during the rink in '84, right, <clears throat> right, and uh, you know, after the rink, um, she had some some big career highs that came again. She mm-hmm. she so I think she broke records for how long she she played Carnegie Hall in 1987, mm-hmm. and um, she then I think was the longest running solo performer at Radio City Music Hall in 1991. Um, so there were things like that going on, but the movies they were still giving her in those days were flop after flop, like Rent a Cop, right? And um, and, and the what's it called, Stepping Out? You know, Steppin she out. Um, she was, and so her movie career had really dried up, and she wasn't doing Broadway, um, and uh, her recording career was non-existent except for the live albums. In 1989, she did do. Uh, the album with the Pet Shop Boys results, yes, but yes. it didn't. It didn't give her the kind of recording career that Barbara or Bette had enjoyed always before and right. after that, you know. And and it didn't lead to more like that. And she took that bit thing replacing Julie Andrews uh, in Victor yeah. Victoria right. for a little while, mm-hmm. and that was sort of scandal plagued. Yeah, and her career had kind of been like just. You know, she could still sell out these big theaters and performing arts centers all around the world, but. Uh, she was having trouble with her health, with her voice, Mm -hmm. with her knees. Um, That's when she started saying, um, from um, the Dorothy from the chin up and the Tin Man from the chin down. And, uh, but it had got really caught up with her uh, in the late, in the mid late nineties, right before this in between Victor Victoria in 97 or 96 and this, which was the end of 98, she had had some disastrously reviewed concerts in, uh, in LA and San Francisco Mm. and 
canceled engagements. And there was a lot of rumors about her being in a really bad place with drugs. And Mm -hmm. when she was making personal appearances at all, she was really fat in a way that she hadn't been. And she seemed crazy when she would talk and, you know, and, and, and her voice had really gone to the shitter. I mean, it had been gradually going downhill for a while. If Scott Gorenstein is listening, I'm so sorry. You know, I oh, love God. her. He's already turned but it off. Look, I mean, the good news is things got worse before they got better. She had encephalitis and people were really writing her off for a couple of years. Uh, mm. After the, because after, after this, she did Minnelli on Minnelli on Broadway, which mm-hmm. people sort of smirked about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had some great stuff in it. But then she had the encephalitis. But then she had this massive comeback. I mean, it was a crazy-ass Liza comeback where she married David Guest and all that shit. Right. But she was, you know, kind of back on top again. Yeah. And, you know, and then for years it was sort of, you know, just kind of this roller coaster of like, you yeah. know, being kind of fucked up again and mm. things being canceled and having health problems and recovery issues. And then her having another comeback, whether it's Liza's at the palace or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately now we've kind of maybe come to the end of that yellow brick road for the time being at least, you know, mm. but, but this was a low point when she still had some, some highs to come back to, but this was in the middle of a low point. I mean, it was surprising that she showed up for this, uh, right. or, or, you know, to my eyes at the time. And, uh, and it was, and it was heartbreaking to hear her sound so bad. I mean, the crazy thing also about this is that when they released the video and the album, right. they had her go into a studio and re-record her stuff. Mm. So they substituted the audio track. And I remember being in all those gay bars when they would play her doing some people and talk about, everyone would talk about how bad she sounded. And I'd be like, you have no idea. You weren't there. Right. You know? but and on, then here we now, this video yeah. is for the world to it's, hear the true. It's the true stuff. original audio. Yeah. Um, okay. And, and that, and Liza closes out act one of the show. Yes. yes. Um, and then Act One open, or sorry, Act Two opens with. Um, is it is it literally just this? No, it's not the same order. But Karen Ziemba also open uh, opens this act as well with "I Want to Be a Rock Yes. Pet, now, first of all, we were not that number. We were not that loving about Karen Ziemba before because she was in the number where she was playing a dowdy housewife, Roxy, yeah. and BB yeah. Newirth was having her moment mm-hmm. to just be the freaking star B-B-B. that she is. But this moment is all about Karen Ziemba. Yes. Now, I knew and loved this song um, from Kicks, the Showgirls musical, because um, Debbie Gravitt sang it on her first album, yes. Part of Your World, because it's an Alan Menken song. And um, I know th- I knew this song and I loved it from that. And Karen does it and she sounds so great. She and sounds she's so good. She owns this number. You feel that it is her story. You feel that all yes. she ever wanted was this, you know? She and- really tells the story. And and she tells it not just with her incredible voice and her mm. incredible acting, but she really dances it. And yeah, totally. so she's another one who just, she's so expressive and she dances that I actually enjoy it in a way that I normally don't enjoy dance. And just when you think the stakes couldn't get any higher and it couldn't get any more exciting, the actual Rockettes come out and join her. And it is Down just that such staircase. a goosebumps moment. And and it's one way that you feel Karen Ziemba takes a page out of the Liza Minnelli playbook because she's able to dance with the girls and be yeah. one of them and dance, you know, as well as they can and yet still be the star and still hold focus. Still be the star because she, you know, the Rockettes, as they're trained to be, they're all very singular and and, um, move as one in a very robotic fashion. And and Karen's just so, like, 
passionate and expressive and, and, um, gives you so much, um, you know, joy in her, in her performance. It's so joyful and you just fall in love with her and it's just, um, it's a really wonderful moment. I mean, it makes you think that if like she had been born in another era or if there had been more new shows written for that kind of a performer, Mm. uh, Karen, you know, could have been, you know, um, a bigger star, you know, because did she ever it, like host stuff? Like, is she is she charismatic? Like, does she, is she good on a mic? Like, you know, what I'm saying, like, did she ever like host the Tonys or host the, you know, no, uh, a night no, nothing like that. So-and-so? But Karen Zamba is actually a very big voice talent um, in terms of audiobooks. I actually, oh, you know, some. I've, did you work with her for years? I did. I did a couple of books with her when I was producing audiobooks at Simon and Schuster. And she had done dozens for them over the years. Mm. And she's very, very popular with the listeners and she's great at it. And of course, she's a doll to work with and just mm, the I'm most sure. wonderful. Um, someone else who I'm sure is a doll comes next. Well, first of all, Julie comes on for some... Oh, I haven't told you my story about I Want to Be a Rockette and Karen Zamba, though. <laughs> oh, okay, go on, go on. So when I first moved to New York... Uh, not long after, not long after I moved to New York, not long after this concert, I went to a party uh, and I met Debbie Shapiro Gravit, who I'd been mm-hmm. obsessed with for years and was a huge so fan fabulous. of. And um, I just had such an eye-opening show business moment talking to her because somehow in conversation it came up, and I don't think I brought it up. This concert and Karen singing that song, Debbie made like an offhand, like bitter reference about like how they gave Karen that song. And I just remember thinking, of course, Patti Lapone is an angry bitch. <laughs> of course. Like this business is just so yeah. tragic. Like yeah. the fact that, I mean, what did Karen Zamba do? She sang this song from a flop musical that nobody knows, you know, just for like one little bit in a PBS concert, she probably made $1,100 for if that, you know, like Debbie has to be bitter about this. That Mm. is how starving everybody in show business is. There's not enough. There's not an abundance. Everybody has to be stingy and begrudge each other because there's just not enough success to go around. And I just remember thinking like, what a world. I wish we lived Ugh. in a world where I could give Debbie Gravit a second Tony, a third Tony, 12 yes. PBS concerts all to herself. Like, it's just so unjust that she has to, like, want this little crumbs that they – I mean, to be jealous of all people, of Karen Ziemba, this poor right. girl. Like, they finally gave her one number for crying out loud. Right. <laughs> um. Okay, so I love so Julie Andrews comes on and I don't even remember what she does, but all I know is she has this fabulous like zebra print dress on that I am obsessed with. Um and she intros I guess she intros Rebecca Luker because, you know, they were both Maria's or whatever. Um mm-hmm. and then Rebecca Luker comes on wearing my favorite dress of the evening. It's such a weird dress. It's like Is it plaid taffeta? It's not I don't know if it's plaid or not, but it's definitely like a, I mean, I guess it's like tartan ish. Like, um, 
but it's not it's it's almost like ch- more like big checks or squares and it's jewel toned but for some reason it works for me and I love it and she oh, has never beautiful. looked more beautiful and she is so beautiful oh. and she floats in she really when she does. appears at the top of that staircase you feel like it's Cinderella at the actual ball absolutely like, like does she have feet underneath that like who can say she just floats and wait what does she sing she sings falling in love with love and it is mm. just ravishing. Mm. Mm. It really is. And and her voice, I mean, God, I mean, I don't, you know, um, I don't think I've it's ever just a pure seen her sunbeam. It's so, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I've seen her live a couple of times and I'm something that really struck me was when I saw um, Cinderella on Broadway, actually, you know, Rodgers and Hammerstein, Cinderella, right. she had replaced Victoria Clark oh, as the fairy godmother, That, which is yes. not that great of a part. No, but you get that um, song. Yeah. And I've never felt more in love with a woman. Like I wish I would have seen her. Oh, she was so magical. I also saw her when she took over from Judy Kuhn in Fun Home. And yes, I wish she I was as well. She was really wonderful. I mean, she's uh, more than they've given her credit for over the years. She can really act. I mean, she held her own in that part. Yeah. And she sang it in such a special, different, gorgeous way. Yeah, totally. Um, so that was a treat for me because I was just like, wow, like I do not see enough of Rebecca Luker and I'm going to have to yeah. take that journey. Um, yes. Well, we're going to have her on the pod for sure. Yes, totally, totally. Um, next is someone we have had on the pod. Um, oh, my God. Oh, And my God. Linda Etter. First of all, the hair. Again, so okay. 90s. This, this is the hair that my mom had all throughout the 90s. Um, someone like you, her, her, her signature, Sean. Um, straight into um, Man of La Mancha. And Richard Kiley's signature song. Richard Kiley's signature song. And I have to say, like, it's thrilling. I mean, she, her belt is so crazy. It's like, uh, like someone like you, that end phrase or whatever, where she really goes up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, it, it, it's, it's so, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it, it's, extreme you know it's it's an extreme belt i don't know it's like a made-up voice and like i feel like when you see her do like weird things with her neck you're like watching her like yeah fashion this like like, unnatural thing it's like watching sarah brightman like do those high uh christine parts like later in life where she like her eyes roll back in her head and stuff it's like you really do have to kind of like readjust your entire musculature um, the funniest thing, oh, so she sings um, uh, Man of La Mancha, and the funniest thing I, I think I've seen on, on Twitter in a long time is um, James Kennedy on, on Twitter, back, back whenever people were posting like songs, I guess, that they were washing their hands to, the 22nd hand wash thing. Um, yeah, you know, who's James Kennedy? He's on Twitter. He's like a, um, a songwriter, a playwright. I, I'm oh, sure. Oh, you does he have him. a middle name? Is he like James Holod or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah, I totally follow um, him. He's very funny. Yeah, what he's was very his funny. song? Well, so he was like, "This is what I. Uh, this is the 20 seconds I wash my hands to," and it was just a clip of Linda doing that, like that high, like belt into head voice in the middle of uh, Man of La Mancha, <laughs> just her like <laughs> holding that note. <laughs> 
It was so funny. I mean, it has to be said. It's so crazy. She goes from like the like most like yeah, muscular like, belt into like a whistle tone and like yeah, back and forth. Totally. I mean, she's just bonkers what she can do with that voice. But like we talked about with her, no training, just like Streisand. Like that's just something that the good Lord gave her. And, yes, yes. Um, you know, she fucking uses it. And, and she... Yeah. You know, we saw her in in P Town, and she did a two and a half hour set. Well, maybe not that long, but it was like two hour set. But you Just know what? I will 11 say, eleven o'clock number she- after eleven o'clock number. Um, okay, so okay, the next up we have a true highlight, which is the big Andrew Lloyd Webber trio, white dress trio. Yes, before the red dresses, there was the white dresses, and that mm. is the trio of Audrey McDonald, Marin Maisie, and Judy Kuhn. Um, Audra singing Love Changes Everything, uh, Marin singing Unexpected Song, and Judy singing I Don't Know How to Love Him. And Judy Judy truly in the final act of her illness, like, just looking <laughs> so rough. She's Poor very, thing. like, M- Melanie, like, on her deathbed and gone with the wind. <laughs> yeah. You know, and she's like, totally. be kind, be kind to Captain Butler. He loves you so. Yeah, totally. It's She is just, like... Baby, just just white knuckling it, <laughs> just like step into the light, Judy Kuhn. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're in a safe place. I mean, she still sounds good, but like you can tell, she is miserable. <laughs> she's so unhappy. She wants all she's thinking about is that cab ride home. <laughs> that cab ride home, honey. Um, Judy is just like you are almost done, girl. You just have to yeah, do this. Just get through it. Um, what is it that Lane Stritch thing? You like, you'll you'll stop shows. You'll again, stop Elaine. shows. Just, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> tonight, just get through it. Um, She's such a little but, trooper. Yeah, but at the, I mean, I will say this: this number, especially at the end, where they go into like, what is it like counterpoint? It's like them yeah. all singing different songs at the same time. It is so good, so thrilling. I mean, it it is such a brilliant arrangement. I mean, it it. Honestly, just as far as arrangements go, it is as brilliant of a pairing mm. as the um, Barbara Judy uh, Get Happy um, Happy Days Are Here Again. Yeah, totally, totally. Only and, only done three three ways instead of two. Yes, um, and the fact that they're all in white dresses, I, I I got like, and and it was like the late nineties, like what was it, two years after First Wife Club? I was like, this is such. Um, a first wives club moment and i and i got to thinking about it and i was like of course like um judy would be the annie Marin would be elise and then audra would be brenda okay i don't know <laughs> if i agree with that um i mean the thing about them is like Marin is definitely elise i feel like judy yeah. and audra are both annie i mean Audra's definitely not a brenda but she's more brenda i think than judy i mean like Diane Keaton is more Brenda than Judy. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. Um, I mean, the the other thing that's so amazing about it is that the whole is so much greater than the sum of its parts. Like, like, I mean, Audra is singing a song that really no woman should ever sing. It's like, you don't, you don't, I mean, as fabulous as Audra is, and she's in such Mm. great voice, you're not really like wanting to like listen to Audra sing Love Changes Everything all day long. Mm. And like, Marin's voice is almost like just too perfect and smooth for unexpected song. Like you well, kind of need burn it. You kind of need burn it. You're just Bernadette. used to burn it. That's 
No, because but you want you want the danger in unexpected song. You know, when she goes up on in the modulation, they're like, I yeah. have never yeah. felt like this. You know, and then to yeah. finally go up to the insane high note at the end, like it's all about somebody who's like churning it out. You know, Marin yeah. just sounds like she could have like three more key changes and it would be no skin <laughs> off her balls, you know? And then like and poor Judy, like literally like on Melanie's deathbed. But like all together, it's magic. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, okay, so next, Everybody's Girl, sung by Deb Monk. Yes, and I have to say, um, oh, just one more note that I had about it. I was like, TBT to, TBT to when Audra wore off-the-rack dresses. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, so, uh, so many spaghetti straps as well in this concert. Yes, very much so. But like... Uh, I decided that the worst thing that ever happened to my relationship with Deborah Monk was company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because like if I had first discovered her, well, I first discovered her to be honest, um, as like a uh, character actress, like in the movie Jeffrey playing his mom when he calls home. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Which was a little bit misleading to me because I pictured her as like this, like middle aged, like Vivian right. Vance type. Right. Um, which, like, I mean, maybe there is something Vivian Vance-esque about her, but now it's, like, full yeah. 25, 27 years later, and she is, like, still, like, a hot piece of ass, like, in her, like, yeah, late 60s or whatever. So, like, it's, like, a, I think I just, like, was misled by her aging in that. But then seeing her in Company, also directed by Scott Ellis, um, I rem- sh- she was not Joanne enough for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't... I didn't see that. Um, and I've, I'm not like a only Elaine, only Patty. I've seen Carol mm-hmm. Burnett be a fabulous Joanne. I loved Barbara Walsh in the revival on Broadway before. Like I could take other Joannes, but sure. I didn't, I didn't take Deborah Monk. And I remember thinking she wasn't that great of a singer, which is so crazy because I watch her here. And to me, she's just this fabulous musical comedy belter with this like great big old voice. And she's just geniusly funny and just just I just eat her up. I mean, I just want to watch her in everything. Yes, yes, totally. Um, but also, by the way, well, I, we didn't say this about Linda Etter, but it bears repeating. Linda Etter, someone like you, Deborah Monk, Everybody's Girl, Broadway Originals. That's right. That's right. Um, okay, so wait, who's next? Um, Nell next Carter. Next is actually, I think, maybe the best thing in the whole program. Um, interesting. I don't know if I agree with that, but go, why, why do you say that? I mean, I, I love her, but. Well, I feel like Nell is doing here the things that made her a star. And even though mm-hmm. it's, um, 20 years after it or more than, you know, yeah, it's like, I think it's exactly 20 years after the original Amos Behaven. Um, mm-hmm. she does them just as well. Um, Mm. I mean, her voice still has its luster and she's just so captivating and so musical. And um, I mean, to me, like she and, um, you know, she belongs in the same list as like Patti LuPone and Bernadette Peters and Betty Mm. Buckley and Ellen Green. And Mm -hmm. I mean, begrudgingly, you know, Jennifer Holiday because you roll your eyes a little bit because she's so cuckoo and like hard to cast. But I mean, but Nell Carter, you know, is just that kind of actress and that kind of singer. And in a way more, I mean, 
you know, Nell is in that category of people that can sing real jazz and just has that real musicality about her voice. She does have that for sure. Um, I just, but I just find her so commanding and so mesmerizing. And uh, I mean, her mean to me just, it just melts me, you know? And, yeah. but even before that, her A Misbehaven, and I don't, that guy must be famous. I couldn't figure out what his name is that comes on to play the piano for her. Oh but, yeah. Um, what was that? But there, there's another, besides Paul Gemignani, uh, there's a guy, Paul Ford, who's a brilliant piano player. Um, mm-hmm. And um, he is Paul Gemignani's favorite pianist. And Paul Gemignani always used him in all the shows he conducted. And he's also Mandy Patinkin's musical director. And he plays for all of Mandy's concerts. And he played for Patty and Mandy on Broadway. He's a brilliant, brilliant piano player. And he plays for a lot of the people in this particular concert. But he sits back when Nell Carter's piano player comes on stage to start Ain't Misbehaving. And you can tell the guy is like a famous musician that people mm. are like obsessed with. And it's really yeah. cute because you watch Paul Ford sitting behind watching this guy play. And it's Aww. so clear that Paul Ford is like geeking out over like this yeah. like jazz virtuoso in front of him. And I love that that happens because that really – Nell is a jazz virtuoso. I mean, she's just a virtuoso and she comes out singing ain't misbehaving. And it's another moment where the molecules in the, in the, yes. And not just watch, not just in the room live, but in my room watching it on Mm -hmm. YouTube, it, it's like, Ooh, Nell Carter. I mean, maybe I'm a little prejudiced because I grew up watching her on TV. So, you know, on Mm. Give Me a Break, her big hit sitcom from the 80s. So to Uh me, she's kind of like this like star of a certain Mm. level that maybe you don't experience her as other than her talent, you know? Yeah. But I just, I think it's really a highlight of the night. And I think it's the only time I ever saw her perform live, which I'm grateful I always got to be there for this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what you're saying is right. I mean, I've never really had my moment with Nell. And I've seen plenty of videos of her, but I've never, I don't know, it's just never clicked with me. So maybe that time is coming. Well, one thing we should consider doing, depending on how long Corin Streams goes on, is we should watch, the because the entire original Broadway production of Amos Behaven was filmed for TV. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I and it's that. an amazing cast. It's Andre DeShields and Ken mm-hmm. Page and Armelia oh, McQueen wonderful. and, and um, uh, Charlene Woodard. Charlene Woodard? Yeah. Mm. Right? Oh, God. Mm. I hope I'm saying the right person. Well, um, anyway, um, it's fabulous. Okay, so, <clears throat> so coming back on stage next is uh, Faith Prince with props. Um, yes, bitch. And wait, what is she saying? She sings, I'm going back from going Bells back. Are Ringing, which she yes. had not yet done the revival oh. of. Oh, um, Although she told us this story on the pod, and now I can't remember the details, yeah, but maybe she, had, maybe she had already done it at the Kennedy Center or like, just in concert or something. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember either, but, um, she thinks that again, you know, great. And then it's just fantastic. I mean, it's just in a way it's, it's even better than, uh, Adelaide's lament because Adelaide's lament, she's so iconic and I've watched mm-hmm. her do it so many times that it's like, I kind of like know what's going to happen before it happens. Right. But I'm going back is like, equally brilliant and yet like you just get to be surprised because you don't know her doing it as well yeah totally i mean yeah it's so thrilling to watch her and and um, i'm so grateful that we had um a moment with her where she was uh talking with us and you know if listeners don't know or haven't haven't listened to it there we have a fabulous episode with her we recorded last summer in p-town and she is just you know not only a talented um, actress and performer, but she's just a fount of wisdom about 
being an artist and being a performer um, and kind of how she has adapted, you know, to all the changes in her own life and career. Yeah. And just, you know, I the more, I was thinking about that interview when I was watching this and I was just really like just feeling so much love for Faith Prince yeah, because like, too. I just really feel like she came and sat down and like, she was like vulnerable with us. She was so yeah, open and so was. generous. And I really feel like Faith Prince like really became my friend, maybe even before yeah. that, just like the first time I had met her, but definitely yeah. like that day, like I just mm-hmm. felt like such a connection to her. Like she really came to have, like she's, People talk about like, oh, I'm no bullshit. I'm a straight shooter, all that. But there was, there's another level of that with Faith where I feel like she's like, she's in this world to have like really meaningful connections. And like, she's a seeker, you know? She's a seeker. Yeah. And she, she sat down to have that with us. And, and it's, it's funny because it was so natural that I, I almost took it for granted at the time. Mm -hmm. And now it's like watching this. I'm like, oh, that's my friend. You know, like I yeah, totally. Such a, I mean, it's funny. Um, well, and I remember like the day after we interviewed her. You know, we were all staying at the um, the Anchor Inn in Provincetown, and the next day, like we went out. You know, we were going out shopping or whatever, and she was sitting on the porch. You know, drinking coffee with Billy Stritch or whatever, and um, like you do, like you do. And we kind of went over and said hi to them, and she kind of like, I don't remember. She kind of like, you know rubbed me on the arm or on the back or something and it was just such like a warm gesture of like familiarity mm-hmm. and I was just like yeah. oh like that is so sweet like she wasn't just like oh yeah you boys from the podcast she was just you know she was like oh hi you know like yeah. it was so fun yeah. yesterday you know it was very like um she was very engaged and very present. totally um anyway so someone else that we I would love to talk to I'm sure she would be quite the opposite though uh is Dottie Loudon coming in hot with fifty uh, percent, and, and will... this is another one that I've had a journey with. Is that the only because... one she sings? Fifty percent. Yes, yes. And I remember yeah. being absolutely thrilled when I saw it. But over the years, I kind of trashed this video just because I was like, "Wouldn't you mm. rather watch her sing it from the seventies when she was in a little better voice and whatever, yeah. you know, or in context of the show or what have you?" Yeah, in, yeah. and so I'd, I'd always like. Um, kind of dismissed this video. And so this was the first time in a long time that I really sat and just like let her like tell me the story and like take me on the journey. And it's just like, for the kids out there aren't familiar with like what a genius Dorothy Loudon is. I mean, I've, I've always held on to her as just this comedic genius because if you haven't seen her from Sondheim at Carnegie Hall doing her medley of um, losing my mind and you could drive a person crazy. I mean, it is a triumph and she does this Gershwin song vodka at the Tony awards one year that's on YouTube. That's the funniest thing in the world. I mean, like she's funnier than like Andrea Martin and Leslie Kritzer (laughs) and like Robin Williams and Christian Borle combined. I mean, she's just, you know, um, but, but this, and of course, Annie, I mean, there's a reason that she you oh, know, yeah. had such a personal triumph playing Mrs. Hannigan, but, um, but this is really heartbreaking and yeah, it's like I mean, really, really, this moving. is one of the highlights of the show for me, just because watching it and, and hearing and seeing this song performed by a woman of a certain age, not only a woman of a certain age, but a woman who has a certain character actressy presence and and is really not afraid to show like the you know the cracks you know not afraid to show um 
kind of the underbelly of this story yeah. or this character or whatever. And that's what yeah. she does. I mean, her voice lends itself so well to that. But I was watching it. I was like, you know, <laughs> was that, she was that a dig. <laughs> was well, that a read? Take it, take it out. You will. But I was watching. I, it, I can was you like, imagine you if know, you said that to someone? Can you imagine if you said that to someone's face? <laughs> no, I just love watching you because, like, you know, you're just like <laughs> such a like truth teller, and it's so moving. You know, and and you're just someone that's like really there to show the humanity, and just like not afraid to like show <laughs> the cracks. You know, and your voice just really lends itself to that. <laughs> It's like that one time our friend about that one Divas album was like, if you listen closely, there's actually some really good singing. (laughs) No comment. Uh, No comment. Anyway, but I was watching uh, Dorothy sing and I was like, you know, she would be so good, like being cast as like a mistress in some sitcom in the 90s, you know, like playing like, um, you know, Will True, I mean, uh, Leslie, what's her face, did it so well, but playing like Will Truman's dad's Leslie and Warren, like Leslie and yeah, Warren, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, she just has that that type of like yearning, kind of please love me energy that's yeah. so captivating. It's like it's like a Diane Weist, but like w- with way more brass and balls, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But there's something very. Have you ever unhinged. seen the movie? Um, have you ever seen the movie Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil? Yes, 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 yes. Because she had that amazing cameo in that. Oh, I don't think I remember that. I, it was probably I probably saw it before I knew who she really was. Um, you should like it, watch her wait, scene cameo. Or like, did she play herself? No, um, I think cameo can just be any like sort of mm. like you know featured small you know kind of like right, moment. Right, right. Um, I, like I think he goes to I don't I don't think it's a whorehouse but he goes to like some house in Savannah or whatever and it's like her home or she's the like the uh, mistress I, I mean that something like that it's totally kind of it, I, I, if I recall it's been a long time but if I recall it will give you exactly what you're totally wanting. I mean I totally I, I get that I need to rewatch that but um uh yeah she she's so good all right. Well, moving on to the moving thing that we've to talked about ad nauseum. The true peak of the night for me and you, I yes. think, is yes. Audrey McDonald singing what is what has um, become one of my top favorite Jerry Herman songs. I've never said I loved you. From Dear I only World. like when she does it. I still love it. I, I think it's it's like um, it's very you. It, it's like a dream ballet ribbons down my back. You know, it's like, it's like uh, an actual, it's like a ribbons by my, down my back that actually is about something, you know? Um, it's but certainly it kind of, about something when she it sings it. Fills that slot. Um, and she sings it in that Cinderella blue dress, belts the fuck out of it. The um, fuck. And just, I mean, someone was, I posted a video of it last night when I was watching it and, and one of my friends messaged me and they were like, there's such a quality to her voice in that final uh, section. That's like a mother losing her child. You know, it's like, it's a guttural, like animal primitive howl. Yeah. And And I think that's so spot on. It, I, I just remember watching her do it the first time, and, it, and it's it, it's been echoed every time I've watched her do it since then. Although for years I didn't get to see it, and I was very sad because I remembered it so well and it was not released. So this has only come back into my life after years of talking about it and begging people for a bootleg. Mm. But I still have the same experience, which I remember just – I just remember looking at her and thinking she wasn't even 30 years old yet at mm. the time. She was in her late 20s. Mm. She had already – 
three Tony Awards. She'd already won for Carousel and Masterclass and Ragtime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and obviously her career was big and growing and burgeoning. I mean, she, you know, she, she held, she had a, she sang more in this all-star evening than anybody else, you know? Right. That's um, very true. I mean, she had as much material as they gave to, you know, she had the two big solos, just like Jennifer Holiday and Faith Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet also that spectacular highlight of the show duet, you know? Mm-hmm. Trio, yeah. Anyway, but, um, or trio rather, yeah, thank you. Um, but there was, but so to me somehow, I'm not sure what I mean by this, but I I heard that in the lyrics, like the way it's like, you know, what are they, I've walked in the, I've walked in the sun or, I've you know, walked in the dark. Yeah, I've walked, you know, the, the sense of like, I've done all the stuff that supposedly constitutes the thing that we want, but mm-hmm. I've never really had the thing. And I yeah. feel like she communicated that to me, that, that hunger, yeah. that sense yeah. of like not being satisfied, like, you know, for all the trappings, like not having really relished the meal yet. Yeah. And that felt so visceral. And I feel like it really comes across and it. it's just such an incredible performance. I'll never know why they didn't. I mean, I understood they loved Down With Love and it's comedy and you always want comedy and up tempos and all that. And I guess in the short thing they were releasing, they couldn't, they couldn't use everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, but I mean, I remember hearing Audra say at one point that on one of her albums, I think How Glory Goes, that they had recorded it and not released it or that they almost recorded oh. it, but then ran out of time. But like, but why does it get the short shrift all the time? You know? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I, I, I feel like this should be one of her signature songs, but I guess if she doesn't like to belt, you know, I mean, that is such yeah. a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, anyway, but because the, the other song that I think sort of usurped it, like in her repertoire is that song from Fiorello. When did I fall in love? Mm-hmm. which has a little bit of a similar energy. I mean, it's more joyous and less hungry, but it's equally, yeah. e- it's, but it's equally passionate and ebullient. And, mm. um, passionate, uh, ebullient, I love that. And, and it does stick out belty ish among her repertoire, but it's only belty ish. And I think it's in a way that she feels able to sustain without vocal problems, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, anyway, and and she looks. I mean, I will say, Audra, uh, she looks so gorgeous in this concert. And like, I, you know, she was just on the Rosie show the other night. She looks the same. She looks the exact exactly same, the same as she did exactly in ninety eight. The same. No, one hundred thousand percent. So crazy. Um. Anyway, well, speaking of crazy, <laughs> speaking of crazy. <laughs> Um, J-Hole comes on to do another number, uh, and this time it's her singature song. <laughs> I mean, the and thing I'm about it is you, just like, going. why would you spend, look, I've got the time codes here, right? So that starts at one fifty four. the next thing oh is two. God. So why would you spend four minutes watching that when you could watch her do it at the Tony Awards in 1983 totally. when it's totally. literally the most brilliant musical theater art that ever happened, you know? Ever, ever. And watching it in this Carnegie Hall concert, it really, it's like a drag queen doing Jennifer Holiday. I mean, it's so it's extreme and like these huge, like just like a caricature. I mean, she at the end, she basically swallows the mic. I think yeah. she does swallow it for a brief second. Yeah. 
Um, I, I mean, but you know, I'm also like, if you're going to make these big, I mean, of course the, the, the hair is still a big, bold choice, but it really disappointed me. She the cuckoo clock. change the cuckoo clock. Yeah. Um, I don't think she cuckoo. could change that when that hair is done, you just have to <laughs> Honey, stay. When it's been, it's been glued on. You cannot. it's not coming off. <laughs> she was wearing that dress all week. She had no choice. <laughs> It's like, ah, ah, it's so funny. It's like she, yeah, she went over to her, her what's her friend's name? Like Charlene or whatever. Her like, oh, the one that answers her quotes. phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I don't she went over to her like, quote, separate house and, and she, you know, zipped her in that dress and that's what she wore the rest of the week. That's um, what she wore. That's well, all she Speaking wore. of people that, that, that never <laughs> change. Wear, wear, wear the same thing. Elaine Hell Stritch yeah. closing out the show. And yeah. I, I mean, just peak Elaine. I love her outfit so much in this. It's like, yes, this, um, it's it's a suit, but it's very Elaine, and that the the jacket is very long, and it has these giant buttons, and she has this weird like costume jewelry neck piece on under it, which is totally bizarre. Is it costume jewelry? I don't. Was she? A yes. co- I feel like those might be real diamonds. Well, maybe it was real diamonds, but it's it's god. I mean, if it's real diamonds, that's, that's it's worth gaudy as all get out. Yeah, it's gaudy sure. as fuck. It's it's you know. Well, but I but I could see Elaine extreme. like making some like poor intern like figure out like the day of like how to borrow her a hundred thousand dollars in diamonds from Harry Winston. Totally, you know? totally, totally. Like she's just like, yeah. nope, I'm closing the show. I gotta have it. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and and. You know, just her energy is just so Elaine. It's in that hair and and the legs. I mean, it's everything. She's she's really feeling herself because she is. Um, it's still a couple years before Elaine stretch at Liberty, but like just yeah, a couple, totally. and just she couple. is like almost ready to assume her rightful place as like the queen yeah. of the musicals. <laughs> right but, about know, to like, enter she, her. Uh, she she knows years. that like her long her long years of being like an also ran are over, and she is ready yeah. to like take the throne. Yeah, totally. Speaking of, I love that in the final bows, she is holding hands with Julie Andrews. Oh my God, I wrote that down too. I was like, the fact that she and Julie are holding hands and you know Julie is getting an earful. Um, Totally. Oh, I forgot to look. Was Judy Kuhn in the finale or had she left? Oh, I didn't even look either. I don't know. Well, maybe one of our listeners will check it out for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, I wonder if... um, you know, what does Liza say when she comes on? She's like, you should see us back in the green room. We're just, we can't believe it. We can't stand it. But I, I want to know, like, if who Elaine interacted with in the green room, how many drinks she had, and if she, sh- oh, and how I long think, she had been I there don't think before Elaine, it started. I, I don't think Elaine drank that night. Oh, you don't think so? Well, it's certainly, like, in the middle period of her, like, you know, if there was ever an era when Elaine was probably like hitting her sobriety the hardest, that was probably it, you know? Um, I mean, I know she got more lax in the final years and I know there were always like, um, uh, you know, what did she say? Like apparently someone told me that they saw her at AA meetings and she'd be like, Mm -hmm. now when I fly, I drink and I don't give a (laughs) shit what any of you say about it. During her share. You know, yeah, literally. Um, but I have a feeling like, but I, I think like the thing she was most 
so the people want to poke holes in her alleged sobriety. Like that's fair, yeah. but yeah. I think probably the one, the thing that her alleged sobriety was based on was not drinking on nights like that. You know, I think that mm-hmm. was like, that was her whole thing that she was, had quit doing. Yeah, totally. Um, but didn't, okay. So in your story you tell, didn't you say, did you see her before or like, no, no, no. When I, when I, cause I, I snuck into the Carnegie hall. Well, I went in the, um, like service entrance on 56th right. street and, um, and I had, was holding a pizza box and they, uh, they let me through and I got in the elevator and I got out on like the eighth floor of like the Carnegie hall tower, like where there's apartments and offices and stuff. Yeah. And, um, then I went back down the stairs to sneak into the theater. Mm-hmm. But um, before I got into the stairwell, or maybe it was on one of the other floors I walked by. I'm actually, I don't remember exactly. But at some point on my journey down from the eighth floor, I heard Elaine through mm-hmm. the wall, like yeah. just, just hollering at someone. And I just love that Elaine got there. I mean, the last person to perform in the show, and she got there like hours before call to prepare. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Just she like must have driven them fucking bad shit. Oh, I mean, I was thinking imagine? about like, why didn't Scott Ellis ask Betty to do this? Why? Well, maybe he did and she mm. said no or wasn't available. To be fair, I have no yeah. idea. But like, I've often yeah, yeah. wondered like, why was there no Betty Buckley? Why was there no Cheetah Rivera? Like, why was yeah. there no Patty? Like she was, um, uh, what was she doing? It's the end of 90. 90- she was in Connecticut. She was filming movies and TV shows and stuff like coming into the city all the time. Um, yeah. Like, you know, uh, like why, I mean, I'm curious, like if they were like, uh, no, I have a strictly no Patty Lapone policy, you know, wait, cause if they were working with Elaine Stritch, clearly yeah, like you, they were willing to put up with some shit, yeah. Dorothy yeah, Loudon, totally. you know, like if you got totally. a policy, it's broke. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Leah Delaria, Jennifer Holiday, um, Liza get- for Christ's sake. For Christ's sakes, but for different reasons. Um, well, I love as well as the same reasons. Right, but Liza's, so, I mean, I feel like whereas Elaine's like, nope, I don't give a fuck, shut up, you know, I feel like Liza like placates people and then she just like goes on her way, you know. She does it in a very like, what's the word? Like, not a non confrontational. Non confrontational, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, that's that's the show, folks. That's the show, folks. Well, um, we are um, really looking forward to seeing everybody's responses to this yes. video. And, and uh, we're going to cook up something great for you guys for next week. That's right. Um, you can find it on YouTube. I think we're going to put it... I mean, I don't know exactly how all this works, but it's on... It's it's very easily uh, You just search my favorite Broadway, YouTube. The Leading Ladies. You want the one yeah, that's yeah, yeah. like over two hours long. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and then, you know, we're discussing other um, potential options to cover in future weeks. But if you have any ideas or if you have a burning desire to hear our commentary on, you know, yes. Debbie Reynolds scenes in Will and Grace, please let us know. Um, and until then, I guess that's the show. Um, how Make do we sure to hashtag corn streams. Hashtag broken records, hashtag corn streams. Be right. safe, everybody. Be safe. Be safe. We love you all. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the other side of all this madness. 
Thanks for listening to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. For more episodes, visit Broadway World, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts do be. <laughs> this episode was edited by me, Daniel Nolan. Thanks to Emmy-winning composer and lyricist Lance Horn for the Broken Records theme song. Follow us both, Ben Rimmelauer and Daniel Nolan, on all y'all socials. That's Ben Rimmelauer. B-E-N-R-I-M-A-L-O-W-E-R. And that's Nolan with an E, not Nolan with an A. It's Nolan with an A, isn't it? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>